0: Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this Tuesday, September 22nd edition of ATS.io Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'm joined by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We'll talk some NFL Week 3 with you, and we'll give you some thoughts here on the remainder of the Stanley Cup Finals, which are now tied at 1-1 after Tampa Bay came away with the win last night. Over at ATS.io, lots of great stuff going on. We're covering the top Sportsbook promotions out there. In the legal U.S. sports betting landscape. We got all kinds of picks and predictions for everything that's going on: baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer, all kinds of stuff from our talented staff over at the website. You can check out my college football power ratings and my lines for week four over at ATS.io, and a lot of content coming your way from me throughout the rest of the week. I got a preview up of the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship, whatever the golf event is called this week. Got a preview up for that over there at the website as well. And we'll have some UFC 253 thoughts with that main event of Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa coming up here this weekend. But for now, we're going to chat some NFL and some NHL on the podcast with Brian Blessing, once again, of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how's it going today, man?
1: All right, Adam, outstanding. Good stuff. Fun football. Uh, The games have been great. The injuries, obviously, are the uh, big story in week two and I'm not saying it's, I mean the, the, the list, the names on the list and the devastation of the industry injuries, the story, but boy, I know we kind of talked about this for the weeks leading up. You can't automatically say this is the case, but you know, no training camp per se where they're, they're hammering each other with pads, no preseason games. Um, they kind of got through week one, but week two was just a travesty. And then all the knee injuries suffered at the Meadowlands uh, in that Giants game. Was that just an anomaly or is something going on with that turf?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the league officials, whoever's in charge of checking that out, said that it passed the inspections. But you know, now the 49ers have to go right back there and play the Giants this weekend Ooh. after playing the Jets last weekend. So I know they're pretty anxious about that. You sort of wonder if that kind of impacts the game plan uh, before we get into all the injury stuff and talk about some specific names, I just want to ask you about Monday night football last night, Vegas gets the win, their first win at home. They improved it to, and zero. beat the saints who didn't look very good. Again, Drew Brees did not look good at all in that game. When you look at what happened last night and think about what it could have been with, you know, a bunch of saints fans in town, all the Raiders fans excited for game one, uh, you know, I, I'm happy that we have football, but it is a shame that we miss out on moments like that.
1: No, and it's it's the world we're living in. Uh, it's unfortunate, and I, and I get it, I guess, jurisdiction to jurisdiction. where fans. Some fans are in some games. Some are in others. But, I mean, you just talk about Vegas specifically. Uh, you know, what's going on here. Uh, you know, this city loses the rodeo to Texas, and, and the rodeo basically – The Cowboys come in here and take over the city for the month of December. It's hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, Then you build a brand-new stadium, no fans, the influx of people, as you said, from California, Raider Nation, uh, from New Orleans coming in. What a weekend that would have been. You've already lost the NFL draft that they're expecting hundreds of thousands of people for. And then you've got the car race, NASCAR. It's a playoff race, Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. They're not allowing any fans there. It's an outdoor event. The place holds hundreds of thousands, 100,000 people. you tell me you can't put 15,000, 20,000 people out there, spread them out and fill some of the hotel rooms around here? You know, we have the fortune, good fortune, real good fortune. I'm talking sports. But, you know, this city is a, is a tourist destination. You, you got to get on with it here at some point.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, you did a preview, a video preview for us of that South Point 400. You check that out over on our ATS YouTube page. Uh, As you mentioned, the first playoff race here in the round of 12. So definitely a very important race. And I encourage everyone to check that video out over on our YouTube page. Something else I want to ask you about here, Brian, because this is something you and I talked about before the season, something you've mentioned on various different places, including on some of those videos you thought that offense would be up a little bit, that scoring would be up a little bit around the league. Without the crowds there, you know, you've got fewer false starts on road teams, probably some better third down communication, all these types of things. It was not a good week to bet unders in week two. A lot of games went over, a lot of points being scored across the board. Do you think that's a byproduct of, you know, some of these things without fans? Do you think it's teams making their adjustments to week one maybe getting a little more in sync what do you think the explanation is and furthermore do you think it carries over into week three
1: yeah i i think that the fact that there the crowds are minuscule absolutely favors the visiting offenses per se where fans aren't you know on their feet train whistles and all kinds of nuts old stuff going on and they move the sticks more third down conversions i i have not yet dove into that, but I would think third down conversions are up. And is it just me? I I've seen more teams you will go for it on fourth and one. You know, you know, but the their own 40 or around midfield, uh, instead of punt the ball, you know, I, I think there's a little more daring play calling that goes on because I think that they're not worried about those false starts and bad things happening. Uh, I I do I think it'll continue. I don't I know you get once you get tape on somebody you know defensive coordinators are smart guys but listen these quarterbacks if they can easily easily communicate audibles and I would say this but it's one thing when the play clock's coming down and it's a monster play and there's 6 seconds left you know on a play clock and you're you know flashing hand signals to wide outs and it, it's it's like a fire drill but if, if the quarterback just turns it over and goes you know blue 48 you know and it's it's a lot easier and i and i i think it's less frenetic and i i think the offenses are much more at ease because of the crowd noise yeah i think um, that makes a lot of sense
0: one other thing i want to ask you about here and then we'll start going through some of our thoughts on some of these week two games a lot of books reporting heavy losses from week two in the NFL. A lot of places saying they got some of it back last night with Las Vegas covering against new Orleans. All of that game did wind up uh, going over the total as well, but a lot of books, global markets and also the legal U S sports markets talking about pretty big losses here for week two. And I think that sets up a really interesting dynamic because like, I think you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, this is the first NFL season where You know, a lot of the country has access to betting on the NFL. You know, in the past, it's been just Nevada. Last year, we had places like New Jersey, you know, late in the year or uh, partway through the year, we got Indiana, stuff like that. But now we've got a lot of states that are dabbling in sports betting and a lot more are coming with their budget deficits from COVID and, and all of that. So I guess my question to you is, how much do you think that shapes the NFL betting market going forward the next few weeks here? Where a lot of the public, a lot of the high volume sides, and and of course the totals too, have done
1: really well. I think the oddsmakers will make their adjustment. Hey, it would have been cataclysmic too if Kansas City would have covered. Kansas City won but didn't cover. That would have been it. Would have been Black Sunday for the books. Uh, no, the oddsmakers will make their adjustments. I think Adam. This goes back to the some of the videos and podcasts we've done where usually the the adjustment in the NFL's week one to week two, you kind of know what you're dealing with, but in the past four years we've seen how volatile a market is week to week based on the result of a game uh, where you know you used to be a point adjustment we're seeing three four point adjustments based on the result of a previous game where some team had a great day, some team had a bad day, and then there's an overreaction, and the market bears it out but I honestly believe. And this is what we talked about. I'll give you a perfect example. I don't know that they win this game. But when, when you're 0-2, 87% of the time you miss the playoffs. All right, there's that. One, there's an extra wildcard team. But I honestly believe there are going to be numerous teams, we've talked about this, that just didn't handle training camp well and, and the, the difference of the routine. And they're going to find their groove and become a completely different team in week three, week four, and then we're off to the races. But I think actually knowing what we're dealing with is going to take a little bit longer this year. I'll tell you, Adam, let's let's just talk about the Houston-Pittsburgh game specifically. And I'm not saying Houston absolutely wins the game outright or covers the number. I think they will. But in the past, if you go 0-2, 87% of the time you miss the playoffs. I, we've talked about this for weeks, that I think that's going to be different. I think some teams are going to come out of the gate and didn't handle training camp and no preseason games well, and in weeks three and four, the light bulb will go off. So I wouldn't just write off some teams that started badly. I think they'll find their groove and aren't as bad as they've looked at this point. You know, by the way, you know I'm a horse racing guy. It's all about class, the company you keep. Pittsburgh, good for them, 2-0, and beat the Giants. Beat Denver, knock their quarterback out of the game, put twenty six points up in each game. But is there really any disgrace for Houston to lose at Kansas City on a night they get their Super Bowl rings and then lose to Baltimore? And yeah, now I, mean, I think Pittsburgh's going to be a good team all year long. But you got a cornered rat here with Houston, and I, I don't, I don't think you can, you know, discount who they've played. And there'll be a, an absolute level of desperation to not go 0-3 in this spot. And I don't know if that's factored or baked into the cake in the number.
0: I mean, you know, it certainly seems like, and we talk about overreactions and sort of looking for opportunities to play against them. That line opened in the 5.5 range. It's been bet down to 3.5 or 4 now. A lot of people probably thinking along the same lines that you are with Houston. I mean, this, this is a significant drop in class. I mean, Pittsburgh could be a good team. Ben hasn't looked great in the first two games they've got a very good pass rush and maybe that's what you worry about with Deshaun Watson and that Houston offensive line but yeah you know you you have to and I do this a lot with college football too you can sort of draw a line through a lot of performances and say you know what they faced an option team or you know what that was a terrible spot off a multiple overtime game something like that I'm not going to overreact to that or hey, they played someone that was a lot better than them. And for Houston, they played the two best teams in the AFC, quite possibly the two best teams in football in the first two games here. Pittsburgh could be good, but they're sure as hell not Kansas City or Baltimore
1: good. And honestly, the very good pass rush thing, you're right. But against a guy like Russell Wilson um, or Deshaun Watson, that can be a double-edged sword because, yeah, they've got a great pass rush, so they'll still play man coverage and, and get aggressive on defense, but once or twice a game, if not a few more times than that, a guy like Watson will evade that pass rush, by some time, and big plays are still a very realistic possibility. Uh, you know, once he gets away from that pass rush, and, and, and honestly, I, I just think you know Watson knows their season is on the line this week.
0: Something I wanted to do here is we do a highlight video for our ATS YouTube page. We just talked about Houston and Pittsburgh, and that's why you should listen to the full audio version of the ATS.io radio podcast. But Brian, as we look up and down this week three card here, and I'm joined by Brian Blessing of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Outline. As we look at the week three card, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording here. I don't necessarily see... That many lines, I would consider an overreaction here this week. I think the oddsmakers have done a very good job, despite getting that handed to them last week with a lot of public winners.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, there's a couple. I, I honestly, can the Rams win the game? Absolutely. I'm personally a little surprised. The Bills are only two and a half. I would, I, I think three will be the closing number. But the Rams have taken a lot of dough in the first two weeks, and they've rewarded their backers. But back-to-back weeks of cross-country travel, and I think people looked at that Jets score with the Bills and said, oh, the Bills beat the Jets by 10. The Bills should have scored 45 points in that game. They turned it over a couple of times in the red zone, missed two field goals, and the only touchdown the Jets got was an eight-yard out pass that two guys banged into each other and Crowder ran 80 yards. And then last see, the funny thing is, Adam, and this is what you got to, be saying: don't overreact to what you last witnessed, but you've got to, you know, just say, oh, that's what we're looking at. That, to me, there were two real, gifts is a strong word, but just plays that made sense to me. And that was the, the Bills-Miami game. And it was, it was a result of the Miami-New England game. The Bills-Miami game, was a dead over because the Bills should have scored a lot more points than they did against the Jets. But everybody looked at Miami and said, oh, well, they, they didn't do anything. Well, the Bills are walking in there with their two middle linebackers out, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. Fitzpatrick's going to have a field day with underneath passes, and, the, and they're going to run the ball better than they had the week before. And the Bills should have scored more points. But that game's a tra- track me. It goes over the total. But then the other one was, oh, Cam Newton, all they're going to do is run the ball with Cam Newton. That's all. They were like a feral cat playing with a kitten in that first game. But at some point, you're going to play Russell Wilson. You know, that's, you're not going to be able to keep pace with Russell Wilson only doing that. So New England had to have a lot more bullets in the chamber going out to Seattle and, and open it up. So, and that game went over the total. So it's, a, it's like you, you looked at the, the first game, that Miami-New uh, New England thing, and everybody's like, oh, play the under with these two teams. But it was the exact opposite.
0: You know, I think when I look at the total for this one, it has gone up from 45 to forty-seven and a half, forty-eight. 48 here. So we do see over money in this game. And
1: yeah. I, I want to know about Milano and Edmonds first. It, it, it's an under game. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I really believe this. And I'm thrilled, Josh Allen, 700 yards, uh, seven touchdowns, no INTs. Uh, but I think if Milano and Edmonds are back, Henderson got the ball a little bit, and they, they got the running game going. But you're talking about Aaron Donald and uh, Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey's going to be covering digs. Yes, Brown and Beasley have an opportunity to do something, but I think the Bills will be hard pressed to run the ball. Allen can make plays with his feet, but I also think the cross country travel, back to back weeks, you know, this could be a, a you know a Rams team that maybe is a bit fatigued in the second half. Now, personally I, I think I think this is real like kind of a zigzag thing. I go completely the underway on this and and think think it's an under game. The the one thing that I will say
0: and, and this impressed me last week about Buffalo. I was on the Dolphins, did get a winner with them uh in the circus sports million to go three and two this week, but the thing that was interesting to me is that the Bills had a chance to get conservative in the fourth quarter. They had a chance to run the football, salt the clock away, put it on their defense. And they didn't. They kept attacking. They kept going vertical down the field with Josh Allen. And I give them a lot of credit for that. And I don't know if it necessarily has an impact on the total for this game specifically. But what it does tell me, it tells me two things. One, they believe in Josh Allen. They trust Josh Allen now. They will put the game in his hands and feel comfortable doing it. And two is that I think McDermott just in general feels more comfortable as a head coach, feels more comfortable with his personnel Buffalo didn't cover last week, and if you just look at the result, they didn't look great against the Jets, although they did cover in that game. But to me, I think what this shows is that Buffalo is a pretty good team, and I was a skeptic, I was unsure about them, but the fact that they're playing a more aggressive brand of offensive football here leads me to believe that
1: they believe in that side of the football, and it makes oh. them a play-on team to me. Oh, listen to me, I learn more about a team... I don't know if they won. They didn't cover. Okay. They were down in the fourth quarter on the road. And, and I'm watching the broadcast, and whoever was doing color on the game, and I'm like, have you ever watched these guys play? He's like, oh, Josh Allen has, you know, done this and this for three quarters. The question is, you know, can, is this in his development? Can he step up? Can he do it in the fourth quarter? In the first three years, the kid has, I think, nine game-winning drives and seven fourth-quarter comeback wins. He, he's, he never shies away from the moment, um, it, whether he gets it. And there was another one. I don't know if you remember the game a couple years ago. He single-handedly scrambled around all by his lonesome on the last play of the game against the Dolphins, threw it across his body like 60 yards, and Clay it was underthrown by about two inches, and Clay, the tight end, dropped the ball on the last play of the game. I mean, this hes this kid's remarkable. I—I I, I, As a Bills fan, I'm, I couldn't be happier. So
0: what else are you looking at here at week three? Any other games kind of jump off the board
1: to you? Well, I would just say to you, I, if, if Kansas City, if you like Kansas City, you're nuts. Bet them now. I mean, this number's three and a half. It's, it's going to get to three. Um, home field advantage conceivably could be on the line down the road. I mean, it's the game of the year. It's the game of the year in week three. Kansas City and Baltimore, and these two guys putting on a show. Um, I, I, I see the three and a half. I, I think you got – and what? Because Kansas City was life and death to beat the Chargers? It's a division game. It's a road game. There's familiarity when you get in a division game. So I, I think this number is an overreaction to the Chiefs needed overtime to beat the Chargers. And, oh, by the way, I mean, this is the stuff we talk about every day. You think Kansas City maybe was looking ahead the next week? I mean, you know, the, the, this number should be Baltimore 3, get on with your day.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting game. And I, I think one of the big injuries, and we talked about it yesterday on the show, Tavon Young, the slot corner for Bal- for Baltimore, that's a matchup that Andy Reid will probably try to exploit as much as he can. And we see that total going up here from 52 to 53 oh, and a half. Let's see. Oh, by the way,
1: who's the slot receiver for Kansas City? Generally, Sammy Watkins. Actually, it's Tyree Hill. I think if yeah. if, you, if you watch their setups, I i think I think it's with Watkins is more on the outside. I think like seventy percent of the plays, Hill's running out of the slot. I mean, Tyree Hill could go off here. Well, and and that's the thing too. I mean, they have
0: options. They could even put
1: edwards zelaire in
0: the slot if they wanted to a little bit. They'll probably move Kelsey all over the field. And and that's what I love about games like that. I know it's a marquee signature Monday night game that everyone's going to bet on because it's, you know, in that time slot, but I just love watching the chess match. I mean, these are two phenomenal head coaches. These are two brilliant, brilliantly, brilliantly run organizations that, I mean, there's depth on both sides of the ball. Both teams are smart. Both teams have looked pretty good, at least offensively to this point in the season, and Lamar Jackson looks like a better thrower. We know what Mahomes can do. There's so much intrigue about this game. And also, too, I mean, look, this should be the tightest line of the regular season because these are two very highly publicized teams. Probably not a whole lot of betting value on this game, maybe some live betting value. But still, I think that it's just such a fascinating game to watch. And then you've got the short week turnaround for week four, so you kind of wonder about both of those teams going into that next game.
1: By the way... And I don't know what to make of the game yet on the short week. And I don't know what to make of Vegas still, the Raiders. (laughs) Uh, But New England laying six to the Raiders. Short week, traveling cross-country. But I got news for you, and I say this all the time. Playing Monday night and calling that the short week for the Raiders to fly east, (laughs) Playing Sunday night and being in Seattle for the Patriots, that's worse than what the Raiders are going to do. That flight from Seattle back east is brutal. Uh, I, but this is a big one. I mean, can you imagine the Patriots? I watch these games, Adam. This sport drives me insane. I'm, I'm watching the game, and I started to tweet it out in the third quarter last night. I said, eh, why bother? And then, two minutes later, the other team did it, so I tweeted out in the middle of the third quarter, "What are these two teams doing? Will anybody ever learn? It's a one possession game. It's the third middle of the third quarter, and both teams have already squandered a timeout. You think New Orleans wouldn't liked to have that timeout at the end of the game? It's insane. Take the five yard penalty. I mean, you know, these are these timeouts are oxygen tanks. How do coaches never learn? It, it absolutely drives me nuts. Then you watch the ability to think while you're playing. I kind of give him a pass because he was thinking, but he thought wrong. Remember the one play years ago when Brian Westbrook's running for a touchdown and he laid down at the five? They were up one. He goes in and gets a touchdown. Well, wait, the game wouldn't be over. But the other team had no timeouts. He laid down on the five. The game was over. Brilliant, smart move. Fantasy players went nuts. Chris Carson the other night, they're trying to ice the game. It's first down with 2.07 remaining in the the game. He runs around the right edge. He's got a full head of steam. He's, he's, He's gained six yards. If he puts his head down and cuts up field, he probably gains nine. He lays down. Well, he lays down, and there was the two-minute warning. The clock was gonna stop. Had he kept running, he'd have got it there. He probably would have gained nine. He may have got the first down, but it would have been second and a foot. And they'd had two chances to ice the game. Instead, they didn't get the first down and gave New England the chance to win that football game because Carson was trying to do the right thing, but he misread the situation. Had he kept running, that game was over. It's amazing how one little play impacts so much and these guys situation just don't get a grip on it.
0: Yeah, it really is. And you know, that's something that I really watch closely when I watch an NFL game. I, I want to see the decision making. I want to see the play design. I want to see what these guys are thinking. You know, I was tweeting uh, during the Browns game last week against the Bengals on Thursday night. Kevin is moving the pocket. They're doing so many smart things with Baker in this offense and people are going to dismiss them and say yeah but they played the Bengals. the Bengals are terrible sure the Bengals are terrible but you also have baker learning this new offensive scheme and it plays more to his strengths he's actually a very good thrower on the run he's not a very good thrower stationary in the pocket so i like that i like that they're moving him around so when i see that the browns are playing the washington football team this week and i know that washington's secondary isn't very good but their pass rush is good, I start thinking in my head, I just watched Kevin Stefanski move the pocket around. I just watched Stefanski run, you know, the different plays with Chubb and with Kareem Hunt. I just watched Stefanski do a lot of things that should help neutralize a pass rush. Am I going to lay seven with Cleveland? I don't know about that yet, but I start looking at the total for that game. And even though the Browns are getting some pieces back in the secondary, I start thinking to myself, they can move the football on Washington. They won't be third and 14, third and 16 like the Eagles were regularly in week one. So those are things you can pick up while watching you know, that you, maybe you don't see in a box score, but you'll see from the coaching tendencies, from the decisions that are made, all those types of things.
1: And it's, it's so much fun just to be talking about this and breaking these things down. I would throw another thing in on that game. Um, Here's Cleveland laying a touchdown. A, they were home, played a Thursday night game, extra time to prepare. Washington plays on the West Coast, has to fly all the way home, then start preparing. A Big, big edge for, for Cleveland just with the intangibles of rest and travel.
0: Yeah, it's an excellent point. And especially, too, you know, you've know, you got that first-year head coach in Stefanski. The extra prep time helps you don't have, I mean, Ron Rivera's obviously been around the block a million times, but he's still a first-year head coach with his team. So there's a lot of things that they're trying to work in here. And, and, you know, even too, you think about it with Jacksonville here this week on Thursday night against Miami, first-year offensive coordinator in Jay Gruden, but it's working. You know, they're, they're moving the football. They're not moving it in big chunks, but they are moving the football when they get opportunities. They're doing a lot of quick passing, getting their wide receivers out in open space, letting them try to make plays, not putting too much pressure on Gardner Minshew to make all these hero throws. And I think those are important things to take a look at Cincinnati last week. They just basically abandoned Joe Mixon. they threw the ball 61 times. You know, you think about that for their game against Philadelphia this week. You know, what does that mean for Cincinnati's game plan? It it helps to be able to watch as many games as possible. Yeah. You still want to compare, you know, if you make your own numbers, compare them to the market look at all the stats and the box scores and all these types of things. But I know you're a very observational handicapper. You like to watch as much as you possibly can and then carry those things over. It just speaks to all the different strategies that are available for the NFL.
1: No, there's no doubt. And in fact, you know, I'm looking at Philly laying six here. The NFC East is a dumpster fire. You know, miracle the Cowboys win that game. I mean, the Atlanta thing is just, boy, if you're a Falcons fan, My heart goes out to you. And and
0: you're a Buffalo fan, and I'm a Cleveland fan, and our hearts go out to Falcons fans.
1: Yeah, what does that tell you? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But uh, Philadelphia, they blow the game against Washington, and they give up eight sacks in the process, and then have to face Aaron Donald. Okay. Kind of understandable. But if you're Philadelphia, even though you're 0-2 and it's been just horrific – you're sitting there going, you know honestly, Washington should be the only team in that division that has a win through two weeks I and mean, this division is just an atrocity. Um, boy, Philly, better write the ship against Cincinnati or uh you know honestly hand the just give the division to Dallas right now, and eight wins might win the division
0: well, before we sign off as far as this video goes and talk a little bit of the Stanley Cup finals here. Any other games on your radar? I mean, we've got Green Bay, New Orleans in the primetime time slot Sunday. Uh Tampa Bay, you know, looked better and now Denver, of course. Denver's quarterback situation is to the point where they're talking about signing Blake Bortles. So we'll see how that goes for them. Anything else with the uh with the four o'clock or the uh, or the Sunday nighter here on Sunday?
1: Uh you know, the funny your brain works in funny ways, buddy. I don't know what I did. You've seen me. I lose a uh I uh, misplaced something or Short-term memory, I'm a disaster. I remember phone numbers from when I'm three, you know, and I remember games and all kinds of. And I'm good. This is totally off the cuff. I'm go, I, I could be wrong, but didn't Detroit and Arizona play in the opener last year? Yes. And, 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 it, and it was a tie. Yes. Yeah, Detroit blew a big lead, and Detroit had the game in the googie jar. Okay, I was okay. I swear to you, I just looked at that and I said, "Wait a minute! They just played last year. That game was an end." Detroit last year gave away games. They blew that game was a tie. They they blew a game to the Niners and blew a game to the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think Detroit's anywhere near as bad. Uh, And the Lions fans are go here we go again. Blah blah blah. I'm I'm telling you, if 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 Galladay suits up and can play. I still think the Lions are a dead. I still think they're a decent football team. And everybody's loving Arizona and feeling their oats. Hey, how about the how about Murray and how about this and how about that? I think Detroit walks in there as a live dog. If Galladay plays, I'm going to say the Lions win the game.
0: I want to see that injury report for Detroit with their secondary. I want to make sure everybody's good to go there. But I, you know, that's I don't think it's a bad approach at all. I don't think it's a bad take whatsoever. And speaking of injury reports, I mean, man, the the injury list is just it's extensive this week. And the thing of it is a lot of guys are already guaranteed to be out because they're out for the year. So a lot of this stuff already baked into the number, baked into the handicap, baked into the initial line move. It's those cluster injuries of guys that are questionable, doubtful, stuff like that that you want to take a look at here at the end of the week.
1: Yep. No, I'm, I'm week to week, buddy. The adjustments are just uh, something we have to pay very close attention to. But I think the adjustments are going to continue for another couple of weeks. And then again, as we've alluded to it, the the market is extremely volatile week to week.
0: Yeah, most definitely is. Make sure you enjoy or make sure you subscribe to our videos here on our ATS YouTube page and make sure you subscribe to the full podcast versions here of ATS.io radio. All right, Brian, I guess I'll ask you one last thing here just to give us a minute before we start up another video uh, for the Stanley Cup finals. And that is uh, just to say, you know, as far as your confidence level with betting the NFL early in the week, I've sort of had this week after week progression of asking my guests about that so far. I mean, we haven't had any big COVID outbreaks. I don't think we've had a positive test at all. Are you just are you you know confident enough to just fire away whenever you feel like it in the NFL, or are you still kind of waiting uh, for you know that potential worst case scenario?
1: Oh no, I, I think football's football is football, and and I I think when you bet is as important as who you bet in many instances. Um, again, I think if you like Kansas City, you bet it now. If you like Baltimore, you wait. If you like Buffalo, you bet it now. If you like the Rams, you wait. Um, I think they're pretty clear indicators of where these numbers are going to move to. So, no, and especially around key numbers, you yeah, absolutely Hey, It makes a difference over the over the long haul, getting the best of the number. It matters. So, generally, we talk golf with Brian, but this week
0: with that event in Punta Cana, not a strong field. It is a full points event, though. You can check out my preview over at ATS.io. Um, we'll talk about the Preakness next week with Brian, so we'll be able to touch on that. But we want to do a highlight video here of the Stanley Cup Finals. Now tied at one to one, Tampa Bay. This number is popping for Wednesday night. Now as we're recording, they're a dollar fifty-five favorite out there in the marketplace to win Game Three and take a two-to-one series edge. The series price, I believe, I saw minus one eighty-five, minus one ninety right now for the Lightning to lift the Stanley Cup. Through two games here so far, Brian, what are you thinking about this series?
1: Looks like it's going to be a long series. I think it's pretty evenly matched. The one thing that was um, apparent for Tampa Bay uh, coming in here, they were kind of similar to Vegas in terms of you know, a lot of firepower, at least on paper. But they were just having a hard time scoring goals against uh, teams like Columbus and the Islanders. Um, last night, the total was five. I know I was having a debate with Stevie Slapshot does Vegas Hockey Hotline with me. He liked the under. I liked the over. Well, it ended up being a push. But my thing was, Tampa Bay's going to circle the wags. They are going to jump on these guys. I think they'll be up 2 nothing, maybe 3 nothing after one. Sure enough, it ended up being 3 nothing. And then Dallas would have to open things up and chase the game. You got it to 3-2. I, I was... I was safer than he was. He got it to 3-2 with a chance for the empty netter to get you the W. It ended up being a push. As the series goes along, though, I think goals will be harder to come by. Both of these goalies are playing at a high level, and Dallas gets their goals on power plays and in transition. Uh, We'll see if Stamkos comes back in. I just think Dallas is this team that's kind of on a Tootsie roll. I mean, I give them full marks. I mean, they were down 3 nothing in that game, and Tampa Bay was life and death to hang on to beat them. And again, I say this a lot. I learn a lot about a team, even in defeat. You know, they didn't pack it in. It's like, okay, it's not our night. You know, they came back at them, just like the Islanders did, not announce a quit in Dallas. And Dallas is a really interesting counterpunch kind of team. This is, this is a coin flip now. I'm, honestly, I, I think for sure i think we're going 6 and through two games i could see this being a, a seven game series and i wouldn't be laying a big number with either side you know i know it's Tampa but i wouldn't be laying a big number well the the thing i've really appreciated about Dallas here is that they've been able
0: to adjust to all of the opponents that they've had here in the playoffs they've had they've had to play a wide open game at times they've done that They've played their defensive style that carried them through the regular season when they've had to, they've been, you know, kind of, uh, they've been very adaptable here in the playoffs. And I give them a lot of credit for that. Tampa, you know, they just do what they do and they do it very, very well. They do it almost flawlessly more often than not. And that's what you sort of wonder now with this game three, where Tampa, you know, didn't play well early in game one, really suffocated Dallas throughout the second half of that game just couldn't get the goals they needed to tie it up. Then yesterday, you know, they get that big 3-0 lead, as you said. They kind of sit on it. Dallas gets some things going offensively, makes it a game. You wonder here about Game 3 and, and which team is able to make the better adjustment.
1: This is going to sound odd. I mean, okay, you, both of these teams are three wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. But I think Dallas is playing with house money. I I can't imagine too many people thought Dallas was going to be the team representing the Western Conference. Tampa Bay is supposed to win this. They had the historical season last year, coughed it up, swept by Columbus, make all the ads, get marooned, get tougher, mean, nasty attitude, come through the East. They're supposed to win this. And I know there's a lot on the line, but I – If there's such a thing, I think the pressure's really on Tampa Bay because they had a historical season last year and didn't get it done because you got to start looking at the window because they got to sign surrogate Are they going to be able to keep Sorelli? Stamkos, you know, can't stay on the ice. They're going to have cap issues. I mean, Tampa Bay is like, we better do this. I mean, we're really good, but how long can we stay really good? I think the pressure is clearly on Tampa Bay. Yeah, and I think you know to draw a parallel to another sport, I think going into the baseball playoffs,
0: the Dodgers are in the same spot. I mean, they've spent and spent and spent. They've lost in the World Series twice. It's It's literally World Series or bust for the Dodgers, and I think Tampa Bay is sort of in that same spot here, and you do wonder, as this series goes along, does that cause them to tighten up a little bit more? Sure. And She's as gonna... you
1: said, look at unders or even look at Dallas to pull the shocker. Absolutely, I mean, I mean, they're out here talking Vegas. Oh, they you know, they couldn't score on Demko for a couple of games, and then they couldn't score against uh, Hidobin. And it's like and they're saying, "Well, you know, Demko kind of got in his head, and it bled into the next series." Some, sometimes these guys overthink, and when you think, you get yourself in trouble. We just talked about Chris Carson thinking. So as we look at
0: Game Three here specifically on Wednesday night, as I said, Tampa minus one fifty-five, Dallas now the home team in the Edmonton bubble, and that means that they get the last change, which could end up being you know very fortuitous for them here uh, because they definitely don't want to fall behind two to one, have to win you know three out of four uh, to wind up coming back and winning this series. So what what do you think here about Game Three? Is it Tampa Bay or is it Dallas?
1: I, I would give the last change if if you're looking for a difference maker. Uh, especially the first time, because coaches will adjust once they know what other coaches do, don't sleep on the importance of the last change. Uh, because we watched Bonus have really good success against Vegas. When he got the last change, he consistently was able to get Radulov and Ben out there against Vegas's fourth line. And that happened when he had the last change. So this is advantage Dallas because of the last change, but only because it's the first game with the last change where he's going to have the opportunity to really get the matchups he wants. So I would lean Dallas. Well, I certainly
0: encourage you to listen to more hockey thoughts on Brian's show, Vegas Hockey Hotline, uh, which you can find if you follow him on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. And make sure you subscribe to our ATS YouTube channel here. And, of course, listen to all of our editions of ATS.io Radio. All right, Brian, with that, I guess we'll finish up today's show. Any, uh, Any last thoughts, anything you want to mention before we sign off?
1: Just glad we got sports back, and you know, we want to get fans back, uh, Adam, but it's actually been, I mean, the U.S. Open was great fun. Uh, the NFL's back up and running. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with college football. We got the baseball class. We got the Preakness. Um, believe me, you're you dishing out the Stanley Cup uh, in whatever, the next week to 10 days. You're going to have the NHL draft, free agency, training camp. Let's start doing it again. You know, from a sports perspective, I mean, we're back and then some. Just got to get fans back. I have to ask, before we sign off here,
0: what would you have shot for a round or for the full tournament at Wingfoot?
1: Well, the sad truth is I played Saturday right uh, about 1,000 yards as the throw flies here, of course, in Vegas, to Jack Nicholas' course called Bear's Best. And I personally turned Bear's Best into Wingfoot on Saturday. Uh, I, I had one of those days. Oh boy! One twenty, one thirty. Would it be that bad? Yeah, I, I think the average golfer would get murdered there.
0: I mean, I the thing that I was talking about because I actually I tweeted about this. I put up a, a poll on Twitter asking people what they would shoot, and my whole thought is, if I don't have spotters for that rough, oh, I'm yeah. going to have fifteen or twenty strokes just from having to drop somewhere.
1: Yeah, and your credit card's going to be in your front pocket to go to you know, at the turn to go buy more golf balls. And I'm sure they're cheap at Wingfoot. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sure a sleeve would probably only be about what? $18. <laughs> like,
0: and I'd And lose a sleeve on the first tee. I played after the turn.
1: See, I would love, I would love to, to do some, I played Oak Hill uh, this, uh, right after the U S open years ago. And it's actually, it was three weeks after the open it was the greatest round of golf I ever shot. I shot an 80. Wow. I mean, my best score is a 76, but that was the best round of golf I ever played. It was three weeks after the Open at Oak Hill, I shot an 80. But I, that was, uh, well, that was 1988. <laughs> my golf game was a lot different in 1988 than it is now.
0: Uh, my golf game's terrible no matter what.
1: So but I guess <laughs> we'll leave it at that.
0: Brian Blessing, again, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how can people check out those two shows of yours?
1: I think you nailed it, Adam. The best thing is at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Uh, and I put the links for all the shows out there. But Sportsbook Radio, uh, noon to 1 Pacific, 1 to 2 is Vegas Hockey Hotline, kshp.com. Uh, there's a listen live function uh, on the website there. Uh, and you know we get the top Sportsbook directors uh, here in Las Vegas on Sportsbook Radio, both sides of the counter. Today on Vegas Hockey Hotline, Dennis Bernstein from the FourthPeriod.com. God bless this guy. He went through the quarantine, 14 days in a hotel room to go to the final. And we'll get Dennis's perspective on what it's like in that beer building, just how eerie is it. Um, and, we, and we get great guests in the hockey world. So we have great fun with that on a daily basis. Love doing this with you. We've got uh, videos for you on uh, NFL and NASCAR this week. Um, so it's just a busy time, but
0: Yeah, most definitely is. Once again, that's Brian Blessing, sportsbookradio.com kshp.com at brian blessing on twitter brian always a pleasure man thank you so much and i'll talk to you again next week
1: all right adam have a great week
0: there you go there's brian blessing and we'll be back again on thursday with brad powers professional handicapper from brad we'll talk college football week four and some more nfl stuff here for week three i'll do it for me thank you so much for listening everybody and i will talk to you again on thursday